0: It's Friday, October 21st, 2016, and you're stuck listening to Catching Foxes. We know how much our fans love here, and Luke and I banter back and forth, but every so often it behooves us to invite a guest on the show that knows what they're talking about. This week we have a very special show. So special, in fact, we divided it into two parts. Part one, it's the civil part where we discuss about this new labor law going into effect, the problems and potential shop-wrecking problems it's going to cause at the parish. Part two is all about Trump and whether or not we as Catholics are obliged to vote for him. We argue a lot. You're going to love this guy, so sit back, pour yourself a nice glass of wine or Stella Artois, and have a sixer of Coors at the ready. Because the Catching Foxes drinking game just got lit. Please welcome to the show a lawyer named Tom, last name redacted. Do you have a Mac? I don't. I have a, an iPhone. Are we Are we calling you on the phone? Or are you Skyping on the phone?
1: I'm uh, Skyping on my iPhone app.
0: Okay, yeah. Don't worry about it. We have um, a software that just automatically records the call.
1: As soon as you, you start it up?
0: Yeah. 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 So it's recording right. right now. But the only problem is it puts me and Luke on the same track. Or excuse me, it puts you and Luke on the same track. So if things get wonky on either of your ends while one of you is talking, it just it just sucks. Okay.
1: Can I... Can I um... Can I uh, sort of invoke the uh, the Luke privilege in terms of maintaining the secrecy of my last name as well as absolutely. my uh, employer?
2: Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I All was right.
1: I was I was yeah. uh, Lu- 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 going Lu- to Emily, ask you that because I want to speak freely. And um, my employer frowns upon uh, vulgar language, which <laughs> is undoubtedly going to come up during this. Uh, I guess if you want to, I guess it's an interview. Um, so it's a discussion. It is a discussion.
2: (laughs) So, hey, uh, really, really quick. What, what kind of law do you actually practice?
1: Um, so I'm a litigator, um, civil, uh, litigation. Um, right now my focus is on a lot of labor and employment issues. Um, so that's sort of it in a nutshell. I also do some, um, Personal injury defense stuff as well, but uh, but yeah, I'm 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 actually as we speak in a hotel room um, currently uh, on the road for work, um, and and this is really perfect timing because um, I don't think having four kids would be conducive to me spending time <laughs> with anyone, much less my wife.
0: Um, so this is this is good, and I hope hey, I hope it's we I hope can... I can deliver. Week in and week out, I deliver with four <laughs> yeah. kids in the house. <laughs> That's true. Sure, they're That's gonna true. go up with like daddy issues, but whatever. It's fine. It's <laughs> worth it. Twenty thousand downloads a month.
1: No, um, it's it's incredible how they 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 have like freaking heat-seeking sort of missile devices on them. You can go to any corner in my house if I have to like take a call or something, and I'm home for whatever reason, and they they find me and they just have to ask me about the most like red, yeah. you know. Uh-huh mundane question ever about whether or not like how big is the giant pacific squid compared to like the blue whale or something like (laughs) i I can't answer that you know what i mean
2: so uh that's that's awesome um so i have a question and don't feel like you have to do this but just um just because you do like labor law um, would you be interested at all in talking for like ten minutes just about uh, the new overtime law? Because it's a big topic within yeah. a lot of people who are in ministry right now. In fact, it's the number one thing that people uh, talk about. Now, if you uh, don't feel comfortable with that, totally fine.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I I I will preface everything by saying that um, you know I, I'm not uh, offering legal advice or anything sure. like yeah, that. Sure, yeah, of course. Um, it sounds so hack and cliche to even say that, but uh, no, I no, guess no. I, well, I'll just I guess read I whatever.
0: To... I'll just read whatever was said on the last email I got from a lawyer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's six joking, paragraphs. I, long. I was joking. We have,
0: with, we have the pictures. What?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I was joking. Whatever. Anyway. Um, and, and at the same time, you know, my firm does have a policy as far as, uh, you know, statements that are made regarding any specific, uh, legal issue. So I, yeah, as it, it, in terms of that and in, in abiding by those parameters, um, it, that's actually something very interesting. And, and it was, it really was something that, um, struck me when I listened to your episode where you guys brought it up. Uh, I forget which one it was. It was like maybe four or five episodes ago. Right. Cause it didn't really dawn on me in, in terms of how it would impact, um, guys like you who are actively involved in ministry and just, like, you know, people involved in ministry in general who are, like, you know, spending uh, a weekend taking a group of kids out to a bill conference and they're under, you know, the regulations, the, the argument could very easily be made that they are, in fact, like, working. You know what I mean? Like, they're... Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. It so, happens. it's very interesting. Um it's, I'm sure I would have to think that, you know, uh, churches... And dioceses are, are sort of getting with their council to try to figure out what they're going to do because they're either going to have to, at least under the you know proposed regulation uh, change, they're going to have to bump the pay up significantly or or lay people off if they want to remain um, viable. And it's um, it puts I, I guess it puts the whole thing in, in in a real quandary as as if ministry in general hasn't already sort of been been jeopardized and, and, for a good reason to an extent, because of all of the, you know, child protection and, and background stuff, you know, that that's in place now. I mean, when I was, when I was just a teen in youth group, like my best friend, junior and senior in high school was, um, my youth minister and his wife. And I'd like hang out in their basement and like watch movies and stuff with other teens in the youth group. And now it's like, if you did that, it, it's, uh, you'd be put on some Salem witch trial almost immediately. Um, so as far as the the new overtime regulations are concerned, um, all I can say is it, it'll be, I, I guess it'll be something that, you know, you really won't know the impact of it until it hits and, and how, you know, um, churches respond to it and how they evolve in terms of, um, you know, uh, following, you know, the new regulations and at the same time trying to maintain the, um you know, impact and potency of their, of their ministries. I mean, again, to the extent that churches are, have, have impactful ministries, which I, which I know, d- have no doubt that yours do the ones that you guys are working. <laughs> at. Um, but that uh, maybe no, can- Luke,
0: Luke works for the great succubus that destroys all actual ministry. That's not true. <laughs> a diocesan office. Oh, a funny. what office? A uh, schmooze, schmooze, office. Oh.
2: Yeah. Well, no, So for everyone who uh, just, yeah, well, like, isn't a worker. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. No, I mean, just cause like, we're, like, kind of – we are diving into it, I guess. So, um, obviously, Tom is a lawyer. Uh, this is not, like, legal advice or, or anything like that. So don't take this as gospel truth. We're just a bunch of old college friends talking about this stuff. gomer um, will you play the, the drop of um- –
1: of Tracy Morgan as star Jones on the view where he says, now I am a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and then goes on to like offer his, you know, insight into like a casserole recipe or
2: something. I am a lawyer.
1: <laughs> I'm going to produce and, and guest on this show at the same time.
0: That's hey, awesome. Hey Tom, do you feel like you, you might get fired after coming on our show? <laughs> Cause I, I strongly do. <laughs> All right. Jeez.
1: Yeah, this is almost like a contest you guys have with, you know, yourselves and your guests. Like, you know, who can get fired first? <laughs>
0: I know. This is not. That's funny. They're okay, so but he, here's the deal. Here's okay. the deal. Let me just throw out this editing remark. I have not gotten good sleep in a week. So I need you both to never mention Tom's city, his last name, or his or his corporation. Never, Never say, oh, and we'll edit it out later. Because there are chances that I might not. Okay. Okay. So, so I won't say I the will kill you.
2: Ff Right. Right. That's yeah. my favorite thing to say, though. To make it okay. Um, so here's what the new. So Tom, please correct me if you happen to have the opinion that I might be wrong. So there is there is this like new law that's being enacted by the Department of Labor, which seems very odd, but it goes into it starts on the first of December. And it said it said any it's that anyone who um who makes under right around forty eight k per year needs to be paid overtime time they work over over of uh, forty hours in a given week right so I mean it's comp time doesn't really that you know doesn't count, and the work that they do. That can that you know counts for like over time it's it, it is how it applies to your job D your job D de, de description description yeah. not like necessarily your job title is that right
1: uh, yeah so you you there are they're called white-collar exemptions and so mm-hmm. someone who's in a role of um, administrative or uh, managerial sort of role um They're exempt from overtime so long as they fit those those descriptions and make over the threshold
2: amount, which is going to be increased, um, as you said, on December first. So, and it's a dramatic increase, right? Like it's going from like twenty three thousand to forty eight thousand, right?
1: Yeah. So it's it's yeah it's a significant increase, and um, I think they're looking at the exact numbers being. Something something along those lines, 23 to 48 or 49, and then the the way that the proposed legislation is is going to be is sort of with an increase annually every year thereafter, or um, mm-hmm. on a sort of set schedule thereafter. Um, so you know, I I, I mean, I, I was going to ask you guys since you, you're the ones who are involved in it, like, what do you how do you forecast things and and what do you sort of see as sort of the the impact of
2: this down the road i see so i have talked a lot about this at work and i and i um i envision a couple things that could happen one is that um most people's hours are going to be extremely re free- it. They're not going to want them to really go over. So that's going to really put if they have a good working a relationship with their with a parish's business manager, they're going to be able to say, listen, th- this is this is what I have to do in order to do my in order to do my job well. That possibly does mean you aren't I'm not going to be around here. Half the time, one third of my time is going to be spent with like all of the teens that I work with. This is the like youth ministry. One third of my time is going to be spent with all of with all of the volunteers. Other third will be spent doing all of the random tasks that 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 I kind of have to do. And so it's like it's people are going to have to like everyone at the parish is going to be is is going to have to be extremely clear on what are that particular uh what are the priorities within with you know in the like minutes within that with within that particular within that particular ministry uh, ministries so that applies to a dre's that applies to uh catechist all of all of uh that's all of that's that stuff if they aren't if they aren't clear on that, it's basically just going to create a lot of dead weight and it's going to really, it's going to like weaken what a youth minister is going to be able to uh, um, accomplish. And I think that's going to lead to basically those jobs just being just, they they'll just kind of like vanish. Cause like, what's the
0: point? Yeah. No. What about you, Gomer? What do you think? Well, we haven't really talked about it too much at our, at our work. I mean, <clears throat> this is where, uh, a lot of the issues are going to come out. I mean, I know our, our people are looking into all this stuff because, I mean, we just hired a whole slew of very, very, very part-time people. And, uh, I don't know, a handful of them, a handful, most of the full-time people don't, it doesn't apply to. So I don't know. I, we just haven't really talked about it a lot. No, um. Uh... And
1: it might come through, by the way. Cause it sounds a little choppy. I, just, I want to make uh, sure that
0: you sound like a robot.
1: The same thing. Is
0: this, is this all right?
1: What? I
3: think I think this will be better, right? Yeah. Overall, it will be. I mean, yeah. the, the Quality is not going to sound as good.
0: No, but we yeah. can still understand you. So, yeah.
3: I I was going to say, so Luke, uh, you know, um, you're saying that people who work in ministry or for parishes they're going to have to like consolidate their workforce and and essentially shift like duties and and responsibilities, you know, to like one person and let others go. Or what? What what were you saying there? Because it did break Um, up a little bit. I
2: I think that what's going to happen is if that everyone at the parish is going this so that includes like really the most so okay I'm gonna take the perspective of a youth minister here if you know I'm a youth minister and i'm and I'm making thirty two thousand um there's just like no chance that a that like my parish can like bump that up um i'm it's gonna have to be extremely clear with both myself the pastor. And the business manager, what are what are my responsibilities to do actually like to, to like do my job well, and what does that actually look like? So, uh, to me, that means basically split my time up in into uh, thirds. One a third is with the teens. One third is with all of the volunteers that you know I recruit. Then you have the other third doing all of the random, all of the random work that it just uh, takes to make everything happen, and it's going to be, and it's going to have to be extremely clear to the business manager that my job is not a nine to five job that I am going uh, to log my hours because, because I'm now an hourly employee, but he, but like he or she is going to have to trust me that I am going to use my time. Well, to do my job as best I can. And I'm and you're going to have to the of support of the, of the pastor where I'm kind of concerned about this is that it's going to be it'll just be put in the hands of the like of the business manager who's just going to say through no fault of the zone. Why, why, why would he or she understand really what it takes to be a youth minister, what those hours actually look like to say, well, you hear from a nine to five and that's what your hours are with, you know, perhaps you have like one day that is, um, 12 to eight. Cause that's when you have like a youth group night and, And that's not good ministry. And so what I think that's going to lead to is it's not going to be a big, it's not going to be a big program because everything's going to be so, you know, tighter than it already is. They're just going to go, you know, this is not a really good use of time slash uh, time and money. So we're just going to cut youth ministry.
3: Yeah, no. And I, that's what uh, one of my questions was going to be. As is, is two guys who are actively involved in, in ministry, is can ministry be effective if it's you know sort of a rigid punch in, punch out, um, nine to five, limited to forty hours and under type of week? I mean, you're sort of stunting any sort of um, I don't know natural mm-hmm. or or sort of spirit led uh, work. I, I mean what do you think that's that's accurate, or what do you think
2: I do because I think it takes a couple of years before you really get everything down to a uh, to three years and um most twenty two year olds aren't good time managers they don't really care about that until they're twenty five at right. like at, um, at least, and so to ask that out uh, out of them, it's um, it is like a fair thing to do with you know, the uh, with like all the laws and stuff. But I, I I just don't know if if it's practical because if you look at who all the great who all the great like youth ministers are, it's because they have the will and and the perseverance to like do the work. Like, what do you do if a kid calls you? It's two o'clock in the in the morning and he's going to jump off of a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
3: right. So you got going to start logging your
2: hours. You know what I mean? Like exactly. And, or and say to the kid,
3: Hey, sorry, I'm already at 39 and a half this week. So good luck out there, buddy.
2: Yeah. And, and like, you know, here's the weird part from an archdiocesan standpoint, not that, you know, I would like, I would like know this, but all it takes is for one, one church preschool teacher or whoever, one small individual, not like, not like small, but like one like random thing to uh, like say, Hey, I'm owed all this, like all this money. And they will go in and they'll do an entire, and in- they'll, they'll, they'll do an entire audit of the whole archdiocese. So over a matter of like, you know, like $100, they'll then do an audit that will cost you $2 million.
3: But yeah, it's certainly, uh, it's certainly the potential for that, you know? Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, I don't know if, is this a good segue into the, uh, federal government infringing on a, uh, religious organization's ability to freely practice? <laughs> absolutely. Help, please? Um, absolutely. And, yeah. Just, I mean, I, I guess the, the DOL thing, the, the, over the new overtime law, you know, I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but you know, uh, what I mean, what protections um, do churches have anymore um, as far as being the sort of leaven in, 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 in the world, you know what I mean? And, and bringing the gospel, you know, if I mean, at the very least, if it can't, if it has to restrict its employees um, to maintain compliance with with regulations. But certainly um, there's a whole host of other social issues that um, are sort of mounting, uh, uh, certain momentum and, and chilling, uh, churches activities as well. Um, I mean, am I the only one with that sort of, uh, perception of things or, or what do you, what do you guys of, think is on the ground?
0: Yeah, no, I had a, uh, uh, friend of mine who is, you know, clergy and fairly dem, pro Democrat leaning. And we were talking one day and, um, this was after the, the, I can't remember, the religious order, you know, the religious sisters of the poor whoever are suing um, over Obamacare and, and being forced to pay for, you know, contraception, all that stuff. And yeah. uh, I remember I was talking to someone and the way the, oh man, I want to say it was like the State Department laid out what constitutes a religious organization. And, you know, it's like it has to engage in um, promulgation of the faith. It has to be directly tied to basically they restricted a religion to just teaching them about the faith and the religious services. So it reduced religion to just its religious rights, basically. And, uh, and I said to this guy, uh, who wasn't expecting it. Cause he's like, he's a moderate, he's not super Democrat, but he, he does not love any Republicans. And so I just said, so it seems to me the biggest conflict here is that we had all these pro social justice, Democrats who were Catholic and and were anti-abortion and all that stuff, but they were also pro-social justice who gave Obama a pass on this issue. Now we are watching the greatest institution in America for social justice, for immediate relief and ongoing care, and reform at the national level, at state and national level. The greatest single proponent of social justice, the Catholic Church. Now being now having all of her work cut out from under her, so soup kitchens don't qualify as a Catholic work, right? Uh, right. Homeless shelters don't qualify as a Catholic work. Adoption agencies don't qualify. You know, you hear about adoption easy crisis unless, centers.
3: Un- yeah, unless you want to proselytize like the Protestants do,
0: right? And then and the problem is, I'm just people that was a joke, but all
3: right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the, pr- it was but a, the... It was, it's kind of true, but
0: yeah. Yeah, well, the problem is you don't want. uh you, you don't want to push people away who need help. And, you know, I've served in food kitchens and stuff that, you know, some are Catholic, some aren't. Um, I worked in this one place uh, where, I mean, the the home, it's a halfway house, and it's filled with, with men who are, are violent and all of this stuff. And they're doing so much. Can you imagine if it's like, well, if, uh, you know, like, if the whole time you're like, well, okay, guys, but we have to spend three hours in catechism class. You know, like, you know, I, I, this one guy was just walking around the house screaming and cussing yeah. at himself, and the the, the guy I was like, well, what is he doing? And he said he's the man that brutally raped him for 12 years when he was, like, a 4-year-old boy to when, you know, he was 16. He is cussing. is so damaged that this guy's cussing out that man. Over and over again, and it's like, okay, well, we're not going to sit them down in a classroom and be like, let's talk about Jesus, right? We're going to give that guy mental help and do all that. Well, now they can't. They can't because yeah. now they're all completely being undercut in doing these these works of mercy and works of justice. So, yeah,
3: yeah, uh, and and I mean, isn't really, isn't that really, um, you know, what our our vocation, where it really ultimately calls us? you know, or the, or the, the corporal works of mercy and, and the spiritual works of mercy. I mean, it, it, as much as I like to, you know, um, and moan about the lack of, um, proper formation and, um, catechesis within the church. I mean, you know, you can't really get someone to that point until they sort of witness the miracle of, of, you know, what mother Teresa embodied in terms of meeting someone in their, uh, you know, human frailty and brokenness and, and helping them because, just because, I mean, because that's what you do, because, you know, they're they're in the image and likeness of God um, as sort of like the entryway into, you know, uh, a relationship with, with Christ. Churches now are being stripped of those assets, you know, those sort of institutions that exist outside of parish walls um, that are now going to be uh, forced to compromise their deeply held religious beliefs and almost make the entire thing seemingly uh, self-defeated if, if they do give in to that compromise um, what's the point right so again I mean it's something that's, uh, that's sort of a quandary that will I guess we'll have to see how it plays itself out but um, I mean I think we can all agree that there I mean how this was ever, um, envisioned as something that, uh, the federal government should be doing. Um, it, it, I mean, it, it seems
2: to me it's something that's just absolutely, it's insane. I don't know. Oh, it's evil. I mean, I, I, I completely think it's like a work of Satan. Well, okay. Problem. I'm sorry. I probably, it feels
0: like that. Well, what I I would say is, I mean, you think about it, to an unbelieving world, what do they always say? Like, well, oh, I don't believe in their God, but you know, okay. They they do they did found modern hospitals and modern universities and modern orphanages and all of this. They are the ones who killed themselves and sacked
3: that fueled Western civilization.
0: Yeah, like mm-hmm. and we they are the ones who sacrificed their own personal comfort in order to bring comfort to people who otherwise had none. Yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. Well, now the world in a uh, this one pastor uh, Timothy Keller talks about in a world without Christian charity, um, you could convert people because when their life went to hell, you were the ones who you didn't care if they were Christian; you just wanted to help them. And now that we live in a post-Christian world. Where that has become a part of our culture of yes, we should help the unfortunate. Yes, we we shouldn't let the weak just die. We, with civilization, we should help them, and you know all this stuff. Now they look at at these kind of works of mercy stuff as like, well, of course you should be doing them. But even that, like yeah, Mother, I mean, right. I mean, think about Christopher Hitchens who who totally distorted the truth about Mother Teresa and whatnot and went after her um, for years and years. A new atheist, I had I posted one thing on Mother Teresa on my facebook wall for my parish and immediately i mean like within a minute i had a guy reading like oh here's catholic inc again putting through another uh you know fake saint um <laughs> but you have all this stuff right so to me the satanic kind of ploy is it's undercutting the social justice the one area where we could totally partner with anyone i mean mother Teresa partnered with hillary clinton to open up uh, and, uh, you know, to do a, an orphanage adoption uh, practice near Washington, D.C., which folded. Um, but she, they were like, Hillary's like, I can't work with you on abortion. And he's like, there must be something. What about adoption? She's like, that I can do. And they co-opened a that, thing.
3: Yeah. No, I, I, and that's why they found all that uranium in, in Mother Teresa's uh, room after she passed away, right? Yeah. It was yellow
2: cake. I've never heard about that yellow cake. No, I'm. Uh, I'm joking. Uh, sorry. Like uranium. No. Was she building a, a DeLorean time machine. That was plutonium. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. Great Scott. Great Scott. Great Scott! Great Scott! Great Scott! Great Scott! Great Scott! Great Scott! Great Scott!
3: Well, you know, as as a father, uh, my, my my biggest concern is that I'm going to be the sort of like. Um, Go through the motions, dad. Kind of like the dad that was featured on the show Stranger Things. You notice that guy? Mm-hmm. Sort of oh friends. yeah, always yep. sitting in his lazy boy, like a piece of shit. Yep. What? Well, meanwhile, his kids are being chased around by like, monsters. Like that dad, and, and just sort of like, okay, yeah, you get the first communion and then confirmation, and then all right, great, put them through you know high school and help them with college. You know, like, like. I think what we what we have in common, in turn, you know, as far as like what brought us together at Franciscan University and what you know we left there convicted of and, and wanting to do is to um, not only faithfully answer a call, the call to our vocations, which for us is marriage, but to effectively pass on the faith to our children and you know i the the more time sort of passes the more i'm convinced that it's not going to be just a matter of you know a good good catechesis or whatever or or even like you know i mean i i, I dare not you know underestimate the sacraments or anything but like you know even if we're going to like daily mass the family which we're not um but if, you know like i i still feel like what's going to hand on that faith to the kids is going to be an incarnation of Christ in those works of mercy and actually, you know, um, living with and suffering with and, and helping other people um, in, 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 in their human needs and in their spiritual needs. Um, the problem or the difficulty for that is we just live in such a, an isolated world where like, there's no real sense of community anymore, anymore, not even within our own neighborhoods and within our our own parishes. So how do you even, how can you even go about identifying who has needs that need to be met that, that, you know, I mean, is it just something, you know, you don't just write a check and send it off to some hunger relief fund. I mean, it has to be something more than that. It has to be something that that's real and has some ontological density to it. Um, Something that your children can actually witness and touch and smell and, and 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 hear and and unless they don't have that, then you know I'm not as confident that the world that they're going to inherit is going to you know um, back away from them and as far as leaving them alone and, and living out and practicing their faith.
0: Wait, wait, wait! Um, you don't think so- that donating canned goods once a year of like old beets <laughs> is enough to convict your kids? about Christ's death and resurrection.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, and I mean, and we had a lot of cans of beets in the garage and, uh, I, I sort of stocked up on, on, on that sort of mistaken belief, but apparently <laughs> uh, I was sorely. Misled.
2: <laughs> I was promised this would work
0: <laughs> beats. You have lied to me. <laughs> Green um, giant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, just to speak to that real quick. Um, you know, it's interesting when you said that what, what popped in my head was the, the parish experience of like the Saint Vincent de Paul Society. Um the Saint Vincent de Paul Society, uh at our parish, um, and I'm pretty sure it's probably the same at every parish, but we have uh you know, once a month we take up a, a general collection for Saint Vincent de Paul, and they literally pay people's bills who can't pay their bills. Um we have people that call in and show up at the front office every single day, uh who have needs. Some people shop around from place to place to place and all of this stuff, and they're just scamming it. Um, But the thing that I love about St. Vincent de Paul Society is they don't allow that lack of community to exist, right? So we don't give to people without being with them. And so the St. Vincent de Paul, the biggest part of St. Vincent de Paul isn't the people who man the phones and call the gas company and try to talk them down for the price and then pay the bill or whatever it's um they have teams where they send people out uh two by two and they go over to people's houses who are requesting aid and they spend time with these families and they give them that dignity of like we're not just gonna, you're not just a check that we're going to you know send money to or whatever you're not just a you know we are we are we actually want to get to know you and we've had people that have become catholic because of the St Vincent de Paul society in fact the the former head of it at my church the first time she ever really got to know a Catholic was when she couldn't pay her rent and she was just done with life. And uh, she had a kid and she thought no church would want her since she had it out of wedlock. And all of a sudden they're like, can we pray with you? But would you ever want to come to mass? Like here's a bulletin. They do that for all that and I love that because it puts that personal connection um, to charity, right? So there is a an element of disconnect when we're just throwing it in the bag. But, you know, I mean, I think that's fine. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, but then you have that personal like, we are gonna go and we're gonna help you, but we want to get to know you. You know, and that's well, that's that's, yeah, they, that's, that's incredible. Yeah, and people, the, the St Vincent de Paul site is at almost every parish, and uh, maybe not almost every parish, but it's at uh, the parishes around here. So if you have one, just go, just say, hey, I'm looking at his ministry. Can I just watch? Yeah,
3: I mean, it kind of coming circle with it. I mean, is there someone at the parish that is employed who, who runs the St. Vince football site? That's the beautiful thing. No, that's a beautiful,
0: it's entirely volunteer. What we do at the parish is we set up a a desk with a phone and voicemail and that's it. And we have volunteers that come in every day and they check the voicemail. Now this is good because it ensures the safety of our volunteers because I mean, people don't understand this, but um, when you work at a church and you do a lot of the charity stuff, the scammers come out of the woodwork, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. and people don't understand. They think like, you know, like for instance, we call the cops when people pedal in our, in, our, um, in our parking lot, right? They come up after masses and they're like, you can spare money, you can spare money. And we're not an urban church. We are suburb- We are as suburban as suburbia gets <laughs> in the woodlands. We really are. I mean, we're a master plan community, you know, all this stuff. But that being said, we have repeated people that pretend to be a family and they're not. None of them are related. And they do this all the time. And they've been arrested multiple times and all this stuff. And it's just purely a scam. You know, and you find out more about like the women who carry babies that the babies are pumped full of drugs just to keep them quiet. And oh. it's like it's horrific. It's and some babies are like Jeez. you know, like you see them in the subway, right? A mom rocking a baby. Ugh. Those babies are are probably not even that woman's. And they're, you know, typically they, this one undercover reporting for the New York Times. Showed how the you know it's all like mafia controlled, and this is just one of the ways that they get money, and that the babies are the children of prostitutes, and they just drug them up with um, heroin, and they put them in there so that these babies will be quiet for twelve hours, and you know half the time you know they arrest the women eventually, and uh, and they find the babies are dead and all this it's 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 horrific, right? <sighs> and so people don't know. So so coming back to a less sad thing is. That same into the All we have, all we have is a phone with voicemail and everything else is volunteer run. And the coolest thing about that, the reason why it's set up that way, is so every dime, every penny literally that goes into the, the black bag collection goes to a person in need. Not a single penny goes to overhead to paying uh staff. You know, we will never have those weird things where it's like, you know, this non profit organization claims to be nonprofit, yet its founders are making six hundred grand, you know. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's
3: incredible. I mean, I don't, it's not, I don't think, I think they have them where I am, but it's not as from what I can tell. And it's probably just more me speaking out of my own apathy in general, but I I can't discern any kind of as active, uh, of an impact or, um, you know, that, that yours is, or that you, what you're describing. Oh, you know? do you so, not live not, in the I,
0: South? I, do you not live in the South? That's so sad.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I, I live in Springfield,
3: like on the Simpsons, where, you know,
0: <laughs> every state has a episode, Springfield. Episode,
3: yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but don't you think that signals a general, I mean, talking earlier about what, you know, the sort of quandary that parishes and churches are going to be in, if they're if not already, but signals sort of like, this movement away from, um, you know, parish staff in terms of carrying out, uh, ministry and, and, activities, um, away from that to just actual, uh, parishioners and church members sort of taking on those roles themselves and becoming more engaged and active and, and, and not relying so much on, you know, someone else to do the, the work for them, you know,
2: I, I do think that it could happen. I, but to be frank, I think it's going to require massive conversion. Well, or or, you know, I mean, and I don't even mean an encounter with Christ, but just in the sense that, um, I mean, I do mean that. I'm winning because I think that really does have to have to come. That has to come first in order for it to not be selfish, because inherently, if that, you know, like isn't, if that isn't like there, we always do it just to feel good about ourselves. Um, but the calling, yeah, just like, this is really, really, this is important. And I think the vast majority of people who go to church right now do so because they either always have some sort of obligation or, um, they're just like, well, I'll go every like once, you know, um, once in a while, you know, I mean, we, we always talk about the uh five to seven a percent of, of the people who are there are actually practicing Christians or wh- which I would identify as a disciple. And so who are all yeah. the other ones that that, you know, like are there? And if you take into account the the if, if so, if you would actually take out all of the Hispanic uh, community that is at Catholic parishes right now, it is we are hemorrhaging. I mean, it is. Awful, and so thank God for all of like our latino like, brothers um all, all like that whole um community because without because without them um the church could very well be almost like dead
3: yeah i, I um, surprisingly there <laughs> there is a very um strong presence of Latinos where where i live um and i i said surprisingly it sort of <laughs> in an ironic way, I'm laughing. Um, but, but it's funny in, in like, you know, I'll, uh, well, we, we belong to a swim club. It's, it's something very unique to this sort of, I don't know if it's very unique, but instead of everyone having their own swimming pools, people join a swim club and you go to that pool, you know, on the weekend in the summer. So mm-hmm. when we do that in the summer, it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's very salt of the earth. I don't want you to think it's some like, you know, Deal. You're rich.
0: Um, it's a country club.
3: <laughs> no, no, believe me. Um, but when whenever we drive past it, we always drive past this middle school, and every like almost every time we drive by on the weekends, they, all these, you know, Latino families are gathering there, like playing like pickup soccer games and like tailgating mm-hmm. and stuff and grilling out. And I'm like, this is like the like the coolest thing ever. It's just such a like like uh i mean that's culture in my opinion not yeah. because you know whatever they're making with mexican food or something like that but like that's culture in the, in the sense of like something that is a is a natural like outgrowth of of people coming together who live a shared experience and you know like my i have an italian background and and i mean there was really strong italian culture within my family um you know 20, 30 years ago. Um, you know, and I, I have fond memories of growing up, but it's just sort of like the more, um, sort of postmodern, you know, that, you know, my family has become like the less we sort of, the more we've grown away from that sort of culture, like the more Chick-fil-A I'm eating, I guess, if you want to, you know
0: what I mean? Don't blame Chick-fil-A, blame McDonald's. McDonald's.
3: (laughs) Yeah, no. So, um, So so it's 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 almost like this sort of the economy is also putting a strain on that communal life in in terms of um, how a parish ought to 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 sort of exist and live within you know within a community.
0: Yeah, it's the so the parish was the unified So it's it's interesting because like right now, maybe since the eighties or seventies, I don't know, the parish is trying to becoming the. It's trying to do too much in one sense. So the parish was a hub for a lot of people. People can remember in the 40s and 50s and 60s, a parish would have a parish hall that would become the dance hall or the church basement where you know junior high dances would happen and all that stuff. But it really wasn't – the church wasn't supposed to be everything. It was supposed to be the place where you came and you had mass. And you had religious instruction, and you had a handful. You had the organizers and the different. But then it became and and a meeting place for different social groups and community groups. But then it turned into, and I think this is like going along with youth ministry stuff. You had this shift with youth ministry where youth ministers kind of want to do everything. We want to entertain you. We want to teach you. We want to do all this stuff. And then uh, I feel like you're going to see this. Or you, we are seeing this reaction against like overscheduling, over busy people, blah blah blah. But this total collapse of community within normal Americans. Normal Americans meaning probably second generation immigrants who are normalized or Americanized. We don't. We're we're totally homeless. We don't have things like, you know, we we hate company coming over. It ruins our Netflix watching and. All of yeah, this, all yeah. of, and it's, it's, it's such a broken thing. And this is a theme that we, I feel like we brought up before, but, um, I, I believe it's, you know, so people talk about in the Catholic church, um, clericalism, which is, you know, you basically, the priest is the one who's supposed to be holy. I'm not, I'll just do the minimum of what's required of me to show up and get my Jesus and leave and I'll pay for stuff, but that's about it. Um, but I, I call it now the biggest problem is rectoryism or, or church campusism, where if something needs to be done for the church, it has to be done at the church. And now I feel yeah. like I'm so, like, I, I just hate that so much that I, last night I hosted, I'm always telling people just go to your house, go to your house, go to your house. And we have this uh, one group that I teach called Inclusion, it's a modified RCIA program. And I had everyone, and I invited their families to come to my house, and that was about 55 to 60 people um, in my house, which is a big house to me, but um, we were all, and I taught them, and we ate food, and our kids played and ran around. I do not have a big house, but uh, it's it was nuts. But people left, and they were like, I really felt like I be- I belong in your church. And these are people who just started coming to our church, who aren't even Catholic, yeah. right? You want to know why? Like, so I get, I mean,
2: I'm asked why I moved back to Ohio. And honestly, one, one of the reasons why was because this is where my roots are. And I, and after having been out in Idaho and out in Eureka and in other Virgin Islands and in Steubenville and in North Carolina, all of these different places that when I was in my early 20s. I just thought, hey, I'm gonna go do whatever God like God wants, which was uh, code for I'm not ready to take responsibility yet. Um, I just (laughs) wanted like roots. I honestly just wanted to feel like this is where I belong, and that's now that's not uh, the main reason why I came here, but it definitely was a reason. And I think we tend to um, like, like I mean, you guys have you know all talked about this like that stuff's really important and when we act like things don't like don't don't really matter unless it matters uh, to you um it we we just feel lost i think yeah i mean well i've I've just experienced that with you know in my like own life and it sucks it it really does kind of suck when you always feel like you're on that on the outside
3: yeah and 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 I don't know, just kind of go off of go off of that. Um, There's a at my parish. There's a men's group that's been around for years. I didn't I didn't really start going though until like February, and it meets like you know Saturday mornings for an hour um, between like seven a.m. and eight. Although we usually go over, um, and I'm getting texts frantically from my wife to come <laughs> home. Um, but it, we you know we, we we read the readings for you know, that Sunday mass and we talk about it and, you know, we pray and, and it, and I mean, it's just, it was just a really great sort of way to kind of make, maintain a centeredness, you know, into the weekend. Um, and eventually over time, it was like, okay, getting to know these guys and their wives and their kids and their kids, babysitting my kids and getting our families together. And there's sort of like this glimmer of that like community that's starting to sort of, pop up you know what i mean and um uh i, I don't i don't think that by any means is sort of the paradigm of what you know we're sort of like talking about as sort of an ideal for community but just sort of having that um personal connection that that contact that you know that can only come um you know in in a, in a setting like that and and not just um looking at the br- the blueprint I'm sorry the blueprint for some effective program that you can then sort of manufacture and replicate at your parish. It's sort of a way to solve uh, whatever problems you're having vis-a-vis mass attendance or whatever, you know?
0: I think one of the biggest things that the church needs to wake up to is this over-reliance on programs to solve discipleship problems. Ding, ding. When instead the programs are just a tool to bring people together, Right. And so what we're finding is this, even me, like I have this thing called community groups that we're doing, but I just want people, like I intentionally created it because I just want people to have a taste of community and then just to go off on their own, you know, like I don't, I don't want to micromanage someone's, someone's friendship. I don't want to, I don't want any of that, you know? And so by creating, by being like very artificial, like, Hey, if you're 45 to 65 and you still have children at home or whatever it is come to this guy's house you know like there's an element of artificiality to it but once you have that kind of structure in place because our neighborhoods no longer provide it our churches just by being there's no more neighborhood churches or regional churches so they don't provide it we have to create something to provide it you know we're watching the total decline of fraternal um organizations And so, like, once those die out, what is going to be the thing that purposely links people together? Um, I was just talking with this guy today. uh, Awesome guy. Worked in oil rigs, right, his whole life or most of his life. Now his son works on oil rigs. And he said, uh, he was talking to his son. He says, well, what do you do? What do you do? Like, are you getting to know the guys? And he's like, well, I mean, a little bit. I work with them. And he says, well, what do you mean? Like, are are you friends with them? And he's like, "Ah, no, I wouldn't say I'm friends with them. He's like, why not? He said, well. You know, we're now at the the rig. I have, you know, I work with them all day, and then I go grab my food and I take it into my room, and every room has a TV hooked up to satellite internet or satellite television, and they have yeah. high speed internet to the to the rig, so everyone has internet and television. And he's like, I just watch Netflix and go to sleep. And he's like, No, 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 you can't be doing this. And he's like, Well, what did you do? And he's like, Well, we ate dinner together after work and then we would play cards and do all this stuff and then every night or you know what a handful of times a week we would watch a movie on the projector and he's like oh dad no one does that <laughs> like and it, you just uh, and i and I looked at him and i just said anima technica vacua. <laughs>
2: exactly <laughs> which yeah. like it um and then um sorry i i just want to add one one quick thing so if you're playing the catching foxes drinking game you're probably going to have to uh chug a beer here but i like so i was over at reunion this uh past weekend for amdg and i and they were like really great guys and when i really stopped thinking about it some of my favorite times on like on our household wing was when it it, which was in uh, other dorm where we like all were which was so we were in a household, it's like a Catholic frat. Like when we just hung out in the hallway and just like had our feet up on the walls and just like talked about like stupid shit. And I yeah, hope that it still stupid happens. Shit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
3: like play a game where we sat across the room from each other, spread Eagle and threw like a beanbag to try to hit the other guy. Not <laughs> like, like just and not even saying a word, you know, not even like ha- having a conversation or discussion, just like, who's going to get hit in the nuts first with this thing as if that was enough to satiate our, our thirst for knowledge. Yeah, in, that's what it in, was. It, like was our thir- pursuit.
0: it was our thirst for knowledge and not our quasi homoerotic adventures in household.
3: Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm playing the, I'm playing the drinking game by the way, right now. I, and I specifically ordered uh room service to bring me Stella. Two bottles of Stella in, wow. in commemoration. Did you get a fancy glass? So, no, it's, I told you it's not that. I mean, it is just whatever.
2: It's I mean, not it's not Stella, that. So it's so it kind of like seems like it's nice, but is it really that good? Um, <laughs> but,
0: but then you find out how shot in yeah. the head it is and you just want to run away.
2: Well, yeah,
3: you know, um, it's funny. I was thinking about Wayne the other day and, um, Remember those two non-helpful guys that lived on wing? It yes. would have probably been your junior year. I always thought um, bad for those the, guys. The one dude who you'd find in, like, these weird yoga poses, like, butt naked in the, in the bathroom. Like, yeah. you go in to brush your teeth, and he'd be, like, have his, like, foot up on the sink, bare na- like, butt naked, you know what I mean? And, like, kind of he'd, like, turn and give you, like, this look like a haunted doll would you know if it turned its head 180 degrees <laughs> i mean that was like the funniest thing like looking back at it back back
0: then i'm like oh my gosh you do know that i had that guy kicked out of school right <laughs> did you really yeah yeah you did what did you do oh oh so many things so <laughs> many things oh. yeah you were uh you were an ra that year weren't you yeah yeah i was an ra you oh. were coordinator worst decisions of our yeah. lives.
2: Yeah. When, okay, yeah, you know right. what, uh Tom, now that now that I have drank like 3 fourths of a bottle of um of wine here and I'm going to try to make this vague so it appeals to to everyone, to but, our female
0: listeners. <laughs> uh
2: you were elected to a position in in <laughs> college where you had to take a lot of res- a, a uh, you had to have a whole bunch of responsibility for a kid who was like 19. Was that the right W- w- was that the right call w- was that too much for you know uh you to handle at that age you mean in terms of being coordinator yeah like like, like i've always like worried that not like worried i've not like you know really like, thought about it that much but i've always like when i have uh, reflected back on like our like our time in school that perhaps we put too much on you not that um, you did a bad job i thought that uh, i thought that um you were great i just always have, have just kind of thought like that's oh. a lot of responsibility oh. Hey, you're no yeah, Kissinger. No.
0: You're no Kissinger.
3: <laughs> no, I mean, geez, I don't know. I haven't met anyone close to his pedigree. Uh, <laughs> I still or thought or that Stu
2: would have been the best. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go on, Tom. No.
3: Um, yeah, no, I believe me, I I, I I, think I did a, a
2: shitty job as,
3: as coordinator. I mean, like, one, one, one piece of advice that I remember someone giving me was um, – as coordinator like your your main priority should be prayer and, and everything else it's just sort of details and and that was not my main priority and i think i probably suffered a bit as a result um but i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm just superficially thinking of some um folk humility or something as, as a way to respond to your question about that
2: no um, i mean i thought that you did a, a um a good job i was always just because i mean like i wasn't there for half of it because i was out in um in, uh, in Europe, but I just remember kind of like thinking like, Oh man, I hope he hangs in there because that's a lot to handle your sophomore year.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I don't know. Um, I appreciate it. I guess, I guess the only thing that I is is sort of uh, the, the basis for your, your kind words is the fact that you were only there for half of the year.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, like I do remember coming back and like all the okay so okay i'm so sorry to all of like our listeners who hate it when we we, uh, all delete it out i'm
0: gonna delete this whole But
2: no no i know i i think that section is actually kind of it's kind of important um But this is the only thing I'll say. I remember coming back from like, so I was, I don't like Europe, and I'm like Father Paul, who was, who at the time wasn't a wasn't a priest. When I when like I like left, he was not in household yet. And then when like he was, he tried to like have a voice in the like, um, in a meeting, and I was like, who the are you? I remember having (laughs) that thought. Like like, I mean, and I love that guy turning them going, you don't tell us what to do. You're new. <laughs> so, yeah.
3: How dare you? I
2: know. Which you, is a, a huge asshole thing. And it like goes against everything that we like stood for. Like once you're in, you're in, which wasn't true. Um, no, I'm a little disappointed by the way that you
3: used up the one F, F word that this uh, podcast is allowed per episode. I I, I thought is, I was getting it. Let but,
0: me just say, let me just say the reason why. I don't get bleeped out the reason why those F words sneak in there is because I'm so tired I accidentally missed them. It,
2: it, that's why I that's loved the earlier episodes because I could just say whatever like I wanted to and then all of a sudden once all of the soccer moms at your church started started to listen then we gotta edit them out.
0: Luke, no, Luke. Wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. I, it, I still edited them out early on especially when you would go on your effity f f you would do so, that, and you would make me edit out, and then you would immediately say, uh, "Have fun editing that out!" <laughs> <laughs> i drank
2: like ninety percent of of a bottle of wine, so I'm sorry if I say anything dumb. I love you both. Um, well, okay, so I, I,
3: I, I mean, just kind of like bring it back a little bit, though, and, and try to weave it in. But you know, I, are, are people so outraged by like quote unquote, uh, um, I don't know, foul language? That they, they they write to you guys and complain about it as if it undermines the entire, like, you know, um, show, you know, because you drop a few swear words in there?
0: Yeah, to this day, we have, I would say, three very, very angry emails uh, from people who re- told me that I am a, uh, a mark against Catholicism, uh, that we are in deep need of repentance. Uh, one guy said, uh, "You effing talk like that to your children." And, I, and in my head, I wanted to say, I wanted to write back and say, "How dare you use a cuss word in an email telling me not to <laughs> <Yeah>. cuss?" <laughs> you know. But I did. I just wrote back, "Sorry to lose you as a listener," and just deleted everything. Or, uh, or how dare he to bring your children into it? Yeah, well, I mean, I bring my yeah. children up enough on the show that I think uh, <laughs> they're fair game. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, I'm just
3: kidding. I do, I do cuss in front of my kids. I don't cuss at them, and when I do cuss in front of them, it, it's it's not, like, intentional. It's just sort of like, you know, uh, I just remembered, you know, that I forgot to pay a bill or something, and I say shit. Yeah. And, and, and my wife will be like, uh, you know, she'll go, ah, you know, or, or tense up, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, why don't you carry around a flare gun for every time I say a swear word just to really drill it, you know, drive it home with the kids. Like, oh, this is a word that sets mommy off. I'm going to file that one away and then no, you know, no bust it out later on. You know what I mean?
2: But like, honestly, I think it's good for kids to be able uh, to be able uh, um, uh, to witness that that struggle to know well, that like, yeah. their parents aren't perfect, but, like, one's going to, like, call them on. Also, all you have to say whenever that happened is, hey, remember when you had a cigarette with Luke back in uh, 2006? And I'll just, like, shut it down completely.
3: <laughs> uh, uh, I, you know, it's funny. I'm on like, it so hard because I have reminded her of that. As a, <laughs> I have used that as sort of something to throw back at her. <laughs> that's and, awesome.
2: Uh, that's, that's incredible. That's uh, that's when, like I remember, like I'm, a, like I remember I had to because th- I mean I never really like hung out with Catherine before. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, yeah, right. Catherine is my and I just, wife. Like, had a th- w- w- where I was like, she's so cool. Good job, Tom. <laughs> and All right. How did you and pull that one off? You got so mad at her having a cigarette. I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, it was.
3: Just- I, I remember. I, I remember dropping the F-bomb at work, though. I mean, it tends to get stressful sometimes. And, and uh, you know, I just, I dropped the F-bomb. And um, someone I work with was like, do ah, you, like, you use the F-word? And I'm like, I have four kids. Yeah, I use the <laughs> F-word. Sometimes I walk around and just say it randomly to myself. For no reason, you know, <laughs> I'm so beaten down and defeated sometimes that I think the f word's
2: pretty well placed, and I think our lord is is kind of like there there, buddy, you know <laughs> yeah ex- right. it, it, yeah, exactly, like he'd be like if i was if I was in your shoes, man,
0: same thing, same thing <laughs> you should have heard what I said about the Pharisees, am I right, am I right <laughs> well I mean he told oh, wait, me, like, I think I think we just recreated God in our own image, um yeah, well. You know what's funny? There's my, only one way to find out. I know. I know. <laughs> Take the red pill. Um, we'll all find. We will all find out.
2: <laughs> we will. My, uh,
0: my kids. Um, one day I had uh, I had done something, and I can't remember what it was. I you know literally I think it was I didn't pay a bill, which I do all the time, and my wife or and I was like, oh shit, and my daughter I was I sat right in front of Kateri, my oldest, who picks up on everything, and she looked at me and she goes, Daddy. And then my wife is like, oh, you know, and Shannon can, she doesn't do the flare gun. She's like, her jaw sets and she like gives me the eyes. And, uh, and then I go, uh, yeah, Katiri. And she goes, what does a boat have anything to do with paying stuff? And I was like, what? <laughs> and then she, she thought I said ship. And so from that <laughs> yeah. point on, whenever I slide out, I go, shh, shh, oh, shit, anchor, <laughs> boat, sail, the ocean. The old <laughs> Old, wooden ship. Old, old, wooden (laughs) ship.
2: So, Aaron's, like, uber smart, like, could be in Mensa. And anytime that, like, I curse or just, like, say anything (laughs) dumb, she goes, oh, uh, did you mean this? And I'm like... Uh, yes so Wait. that applies both when i curse and when i mispronounce a word or i use the wrong word how about when, how about when you
0: when you grossly make a typo in every single text message you've ever sent me?
2: okay because she made me buy an iphone se and my thumbs are too big <laughs> it's That's so hard. it's
0: gotten worse i
2: just was trying to yeah, so.
0: just use siri for dictation
2: I just I, I miss my big iPhone so much. It's either a flip phone or a big ass iPhone for me. There can be no middle ground. This is miserable.
3: So with having said all that, do you think those critics of yours who complain about the cussing, you think they might have their priorities a little out of whack when you sort of take a full uh inventory of the the cultural and societal landscape surrounding us?
0: Well, I don't know. I would say yeah. I, well, I mean, like I think of one of our one of my friends who constantly tries to get me to stop cussing, uh, and I would say, you know, when you look at you look at different things, I would say, well, you know, I'm I'm I reject the Disneyification of our faith. Like that's kind of the point of this show is that we're our honest selves, and you know, blah blah blah. As much as we you know kind of can be. And then he yeah. responded, he responded, no, I, I totally agree with the Disneyification of the faith. We hide our struggles, we pretend that everything is fine. He said, but uh, part of that Disneyification of the faith is there is no struggle. You're, we're all just perfect. How about you actually so, show some struggle and self control? And I'm like, oh, damn it. it and see, I, I don't know. Sorry. No, you know I it. was just about to say, and then I refute myself by saying damn it in front of it. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I get that,
3: and that's certainly valid, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not struggling because you cuss a few times on your podcast. Right. Unless the person who's criticizing you can read into your soul, and if they can, then I'm sure they have better use of their time than to sit down in front of a keyboard and pound out some, you know, mm-hmm. petty email.
0: I don't know, man. I like, got this email the other day from a guy. It was a whole page long. didn't have one paragraph break. Well, okay. You, <laughs> and, and I guess... <laughs> i
3: I love wine yeah no let's let let, that i i guess it was gonna have to come up at some point i was joking with luke before you got on gomer that after i i sent that tippy email um you know and and instead of uh reading the souls of others around me um that after sending it i i really had zero hope of ever speaking to either of you again
0: can i tell you Um, what your effing email did to my did to me uh I I I've have, I have been up pulling late nights for weeks and weeks and I finally got to a point where I was like Jesus if I don't sleep right now I my life is unraveling like I I could I can't pay attention all this stuff and then lately I've been getting these like in, being honest here these insane temptations to pornography right like you're up late up late you know you're you're fatigued mm-hmm. your guard is down and I'm not praying as much and all this stuff. And then so lately, like, I've been, like, redoubling my efforts and everything. And uh, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And so I did this retreat where I'm driving back and forth from my house to the retreat site an hour north. And I'm totally <laughs> exhausted. And I'm I'm getting four hours of sleep. And <laughs> my my kid starts crying. So uh, my wife goes and gets him and brings him in the bedroom or whatever. But I'm, I'm like, sort of awake. And I just want to see what time it is. And right underneath the time on my iPhone notifications is the first line of your very angry email to us, and uh, uh, and I didn't go back to sleep. I I was so filled with anxiety that I didn't go. I didn't go back to sleep, and it was 4:45 in the morning. I was more just like, I was
2: kind of bummed because I was like, oh, I love Tom. Please don't say that Tom hates me. I can't handle that right now.
3: Gomer, I thought your story was going to end because, you know, you mentioned, you know, like a 10-day sports photography that the email has permanently drained the ability uh, for your penis to have any blood flow to it. Um,